When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The AFC is loaded. Heading into 2023, the Pittsburgh Steelers could be one of those surprise playoff teams in the eyes of most people. How difficult is it going to be for them to get to the playoffs today? Yours truly and Jeremy Betts, we are going to break down the AFC teams that are rising, teams that are falling, and to determine how difficult it will truly be for the Steelers to make a playoff run in 2023. It is the Steelers fix, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Andrew Wilbar. Please be joined by the legendary Jeremy Betts. Jeremy, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, Andrew. It's one of my favorite holidays. My wife's birthday is actually on the 2nd of July, so we have quite the weekend um, every year around this time. And so I'm excited. Uh, a day off in the middle of the week is always nice. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do some fireworks and, and a parade, I think, to celebrate Old Glory and uh, what she stands for. Happy 247th birthday, United States of America. Praise the Lord for the country that we have a best country on earth. So absolutely. We're doing it's always weird with 4th of July because like Memorial Day, we have a lot of family that's able to come into town. 4th of July, they kind of the extended family kind of branches off and does their own things with their immediate family. This year, we have a couple family members from out of town. They're going to be coming in, but some of the locals are already did other plan had other plans because this isn't something we typically do. So it's just kind of a weird mixture of people that are going to be here. It's not going to be a huge get together, but we'll do something around lunchtime, probably do a little cookout or something. Uh, But uh, always good to spend some time with family. And like you said, having a little bit of time off in the middle of the week, never uh, feels bad. No, that's, that's, um, you know, I was, I was kind of complaining earlier that I had to work Monday and get Tuesday some people probably take Monday off as well, um, mm. but just starting a new job had to work Monday. So, yeah. uh, it, but I, I'll, I will say this, you know, you come back after Tuesday and you're like, oh man, there's only three days left of this week. That's going to feel really nice. Mm. And uh, today was, was not super strenuous as far as work goes. So I'll take it. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we are brought to you by the all new Fans First Sports Network. Be sure to go and follow us on Twitter at FFSN underscore NFL for the NFL page. You can follow Fans First in general at Fans First SN. And be sure to follow us on the Steel Curtain Network at Steel C Network. We've got so much stuff coming ahead we're looking forward to. 
We love this podcast platform, Jeremy. And we, you know, we discuss a lot of different shows on this. Uh, when we discuss at the beginning of the show, sometimes at the end, right be after our break, there's different ones we talk about. But I think the one thing that just generally speaking, I think it's the variety of different personalities, different opinions, and different topics. I think all of that just goes together for the a, a diverse podcast network that has something for every listener. You know, not every listener is going to enjoy all of our draft shows that we do in June. But, you know, there is something out there for everyone. You know, just like the, you know, I just like I always ask other people i'd like to ask you what is one show that you've gotten on as of late that you've been maybe listening to a little bit more and it's you've just been really enjoying during this kind of slower portion of the nfl calendar yeah i like to to diversify my portfolio of podcasts across the board but from the steel curtain network i have i've just been really enjoying jeff's let's ride podcast i know that's that might seem like a cop out but he gets a lot of good information it's mm-hmm. it's it's the my opinion it's the best show on the steel curtain network i really enjoy it um and he just does such a great job engaging with the uh ride or die crew and, and always fantastic stuff getting some insider information now which is really cool and uh getting to to put that out there on his show let's ride it's a lot of fun to listen to that's the one that i've really been hitting hard recently and there's nothing really better to listen to when you're on your way to work than to turn on jeff hartman talking some pittsburgh steelers you can't get much better than that absolutely well steelers fans we're going to get into the topic of today's show and there's a lot to unfold because we Obviously, this is a Steelers show. This is on the Steel Curtain Network. But we are discussing all things that impact the Steelers. And a big thing that's going to impact the team is the AFC. And as yeah. we talked about before, it is incredibly deep this year. There's not that many teams that you can just look at and say, oh, yeah, I'm not scared of them in any way, shape, or form. There is something that just about every team in the AFC offers that provides at least a little bit of intrigue. Whether you think they're going to be good or not, totally different discussion but just in general talking about how deep this afc could be i mean it is extremely extremely scary but today we're going to discuss a topic that jeremy is going to be covering some on the editorial side behind the steel curtain.com he's going to be discussing well actually you know what i'm gonna let you discuss it you can do it in further depth that's your ideas that you give the <laughs> listeners a little bit of a heads up as to what we're gonna be talking about today as well as what they can find on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com based upon what you are going to be writing. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been I've been covering kind of where the Steelers sit in the AFC North um, as far as, you know, by position, kind of ranking the different position groups um, and, and the different teams by position in the AFC North. So I've already done quarterbacks. I had uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals at number one, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens at number two. Uh, Kenny Pickett, the Steelers at number three, and then Deshaun Watson and the and the Browns at number four in that one. And then I just recently did the running backs. Browns uh, got number one overall, Steelers number two, Ravens number three, and then Bengals number four. Kind of a flip-flop there for the Bengals um, from top to bottom. Really just working through that. And at the end, I'm going to kind of compile my research and my and my numbers here and give like a point system to each squad and we'll determine who has the best roster in the AFC North. And uh, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do all that because obviously you've got some positions that 
are weighted heavier than others. But it got me thinking too about the AFC as a whole. Like I, I believe, I think most of us would agree, especially here that the Steelers are a team on the rise this year. Um, and the prevailing thought around the league though, is that the AFC in total is, is absolutely stacked with uh, teams ready to contend for the playoffs and more in 2023. I mean, you've got your, your strong holds, your, your elites, the, the chiefs, the bills, the, the Bengals that, you know, look to return to those winning ways again. And, and those are the teams that if you were to put the peg beside them right now, you're saying uh, these guys are your championship contenders, but I mean, the AFC goes 12, 13 teams deep, Andrew, as far as teams that might have playoff aspirations. Um, it's 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 going to be uh, super intriguing to see uh, who who rises and falls here. That's kind of what I wanted to do with this topic is take a look at the teams around the Steelers because we do believe the Steelers are on the rise. Who else joins them as a team on the rise? What who Whose stock is pointing up? heading into 2023. And then also, are there any teams that were around the Steelers in 2022, as far as competitiveness or ahead of them um, that might fall into some regression here, whose stock is down. So, you know, if we can determine that it'll help us uh, see are the Steelers who I, again, I do think they're going to be better, but is it going to be enough to, overcome all the other teams that are going to be better as well that's kind of the point of this this topic today so that's where i wanted to go with it and uh andrew you were gracious enough to agree so let's do it (laughs) hey i gotta be fair about this you let me have three weeks of draft content in june so i'm as happy as a lark with how it is so i'm i'm excited to discuss this topic and you know i'll let you start because there is one team that we do agree on and that is one the denver broncos and yeah. I, I think I think we are going along the same. We have the same wavelength here. I think it's for the same reasons. But I'd like you to give a little bit of insight as to why you think Denver is not only on the rise, but is a team that could impact uh, the Steelers and their playoff aspirations. Yeah, the Broncos kind of hinge in that six or seven um, best team in in the AFC, in my opinion which is kind of where I see the Steelers falling at this point as well. And so they're going to play a huge role in the playoff race this year. And the big reason I believe that's the case is that you take a Broncos team that was hyped up last year as championship ready. Now that they've got Russell Wilson, the defense is a championship caliber unit. They've got skill position playmakers out, out their ears. I mean, it's just a a lot of of talent there to, to work with. And, it was overhyped. Russell Wilson has always been overhyped, in my opinion. He's never been the takeover the game kind of quarterback. He's been an an elite game manager. I'll give him that. And a guy who can who can make plays with his legs, can create, and probably the best deep ball thrower uh, of my generation. <laughs> so I'm not trying to take away from his skill set, but he he's not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not you know, what Aaron Rodgers will talk about the Jets later, probably in this exercise. He's not one of these guys that is, is an elite transcendent talent uh, across the board that you, you throw him into a lineup and he's automatically going to make them a hundred percent better. Um, and so he got kind of set up for failure too, with a first year head coach. Um, 
in Hackett that just couldn't hack it, <laughs> uh, yeah. to put it mildly. And the Broncos were were terrible last year. Let's just be honest, especially on offense. This brings me to a team I'd like to compare them to from last year who made a similar transition at head coach to an established guy, and that was the Jacksonville Jaguars in their selection of Doug Peterson as their next head coach after the Urban Meyer debacle. And um, he immediately brought them to relevance, and they were a playoff team. They won a playoff game. They pushed the Chiefs to the limit in the divisional round. So, um, you know, this this to me looks like a similar situation. You insert Sean Payton on this team, and the secondary is elite, right? The pass rush could have some issues. I'm not so sure about their front seven necessarily, but I think their secondary, their linebacking core is really good. Um, and so we'll see how that all meshes. But you put Sean Payton in this offense and you let him work his magic, an established guy who has sent teams to Super Bowls um, based on offensive production. Uh, this is is a guy that can turn your program around and he can maximize Russell Wilson's skill set and the skill set of those around him. So I think that they have the potential to be a Jacksonville 2.0, if you will, in 2023 and make that leap. And uh, I think, you know, based on what we were talking about before, you kind of see a similar type situation. Yeah, I wouldn't have ever really thought about that comparison, but I like what you're talking about, Jacksonville. And I'm just going to go ahead and move on to Jacksonville because they would be the next team on my list after Denver. I know that they were already a playoff team, uh, but I do believe they should be considered the favorites in that division because you've got Tennessee who could very well by the end of the year be starting a rookie quarterback. You have the Colts who may be starting with a rookie quarterback at the beginning of the year. And you have the Houston Texans who are starting with a rookie quarterback almost definitely at the beginning of the year. So Jacksonville should be able to win this division, in my opinion, relatively easily. When you look at Tennessee's roster, they do not look impressive at all. I believe they're trending down. There's just not a whole lot to offer in this division. And when you look at just how everything is aligning for Jacksonville with Kelvin Ridley coming back and a healthy set of weapons for Trevor Lawrence, adding more depth at running back in case line happens to Travis Etienne. They drafted Tank Bigsby, who people are high on. And let's not forget about Dearness Johnson, who I know he was going again. He was mm. running in front of a behind a really good offensive line in Cleveland, but he is still a capable running back that is capable of being able to take a pretty big workload if you need him to. So they've got depth at running back. They brought in Evan Ingram. We'll see, fingers crossed, if he can actually stay healthy for a year. But everything else on offense is set. And on the defense, they added a little bit of extra depth in the secondary. They already have really good pass rushers with Allen and company. If they, they, I think the big X factor for them is Trayvon Walker. He needs to take that next step forward and become that elite playmaker they thought he was going to be when they took him one overall. Because I know you and I were both a little bit surprised that he went over Aiden yeah. Hutchinson, some of the other sh- more sure things. But we'll see what happens. If they hit on that one, this could be a really scary unit. I definitely think they're trending up just with the addition of Calvin Ridley in another year of Trevor Lawrence in the Doug Peterson system. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Well, I just look at their schedule too. And yeah, they've got a first place AFC schedule. So they've got Bengals, Bills, and um, Chiefs on their schedule. But I mean, the they've got the AFC North, you know, and so the Browns, the Steelers, the Ravens, the those are going to be tough teams, but I mean, they get to play their own division six times, you right. know, and uh, uh, let's see here. They've got, I'm just, they've got saints 
from the NFC. Oh, they've got the NFC South. Yeah. Saints, Falcons, Bucks, and Panthers. I mean, <clears throat> that's that's a good set right there. If if you if you sweep your division and you win your games against the AFC or the NFC South, you get to 10 wins just like that. So the you know, I'm not saying that's going to be easy necessarily, but you got to think with a team that Jacksonville has put together, they have to be the overwhelming favorites for the division and they could be pushing for best record in the AFC because there's going to be a lot of teams beating up on each other in some of these other divisions and uh they they could make a push for the number 1 overall seed. So I do agree with you there that they are on the rise and we saw it at the end of last year how they just it just the switch turned on for Trevor Lawrence and the rest of that offense. And you add another playmaker like Calvin Ridley to that. And um, you know, a defense, uh, another year in a system, another year to grow together. It was young defense as well. They look scary. They look really good. The Steelers will have their hands full in, I believe week eight against uh, this Jacksonville Jaguars team. It'll be in Pittsburgh. So that'll be nice, but yes. uh, you got to think that's a fantastic litmus test for the Pittsburgh Steelers oh, yeah. in the middle of the season. If you can hang with or beat a Jacksonville team that looks really good on paper, then you know we'll, that riser status is is set in stone, in my opinion. That'll be a battle of really seeing which secondary can hold up the best, and it's going to test the depth of the Steelers' secondary as well. That is, Jaguars may not have an elite number one wide receiver. We'll see what Calvin Ridley is after being gone from the game for quite a while, but they have a lot of depth at wide receiver. And that's something the Steelers also have right now. You can argue the Steelers don't have an elite number one. Maybe George Pickens is that by week eight. But other than <laughs> yeah. that, there's you know there's options though, and it's going to require the depth in the secondary to step up. It's going to require the slot corners. It's going to re- require the safeties coming downhill, being able to cover receivers on the outside. But you mentioned that Jacksonville having to play against that AFC North, one AFC yeah. North team that. Not many people are really talking about is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And who would have expected that after they brought in Deshaun Watson, paid what they did to keep him around long term, and all the drama that surrounded that situation last year? He's back. He should be here for a full year. Jim Swartz was brought in to hopefully help uh, with the defense. But a lot's going to really rise and fall on Deshaun Watson and how well this offensive line can continue to hold up. They've been one of the strongest units in the NFL for a while. How much longer can they maintain it? I don't know, but they've still got Nick Chubb. They've still got uh, Jerome Ford, who I really like coming out of the draft last year. What Mm -hmm. else do you like about Cleveland? This is a team that you mentioned that you could see on the rise as well. Yeah, they're definitely on the rise. And honestly, if you, if you listen outside of uh, kind of our network here, um, the guys uh, from the athletic football show, uh, Robert Mays and and Nate Tice, they're, they're very high on this Browns team. Um, And I, I think, um, you know, the general NFL world kind of has them as their, uh, their, for lack of a better term, their sexy pick in the AFC North to, to be something special, uh, even over the Steelers. And, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do see where they're coming from uh, for a defense that just got gashed on the ground last year. They put their money where their mouth was. They said they had to get better there. They, they brought in resources. Um, Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson uh, is 
is in town now. Um, they, they've got uh, help on at the pass rush uh, next to Miles Garrett. Um, you know, and then Jim Schwartz, again, been there, done that guy, kind of like we were talking about with the Broncos and Sean Payton, this on the opposite side of the ball. His scheme is just going to come in and, and make everything easier for these guys um, right, right away, and he's an established guy. So I could see them being very good on that side of the ball. And then on offense, they're going to be good because they've got a good running game, good offensive line. But if they if Deshaun Watson comes alive and rejoins the ranks of the elite, and I'm not saying he does that. I don't think he's going to do that. I have serious doubts about that. But maybe even by the end of the year, if he's regaining some of his his form from 2018, 2019, then you've got a team that could be very dangerous. I love their their skill position group, their weapons on the outside. Bringing in Elijah Moore was a fantastic move by Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Um, that wide receiver room is going to be good. They could they could push they could push this AFC North into best division of the last several years status if they're really good. In I think a lot of people forget how good Deshaun Watson was before everything that's come up the past couple seasons, before the holdout situation, before his suspension, before any of that. A lot of people forget how well he did on a Texans team that, by all means, was really not good in any way, shape, or form. When you compare that to the talent that Cleveland has, he doesn't even have to get to the form, to the exact form he was in Houston. He's just got to be good. He doesn't have to even be elite for the Browns to be good. They have a whole lot more talent around him than what he ever had in Houston, although he did have DeAndre Hopkins in his prime. Outside of that, there's nothing that the Browns don't have that Houston had. So I I think that this is shaping up to be a really interesting year because what do they do with Deshaun Watson? If this team still does not make the playoffs, if this team is still struggling to get to 500, you know, what is going to happen with the Browns? Do they just start over everything? How much longer do you give Deshaun Watson? I mean, you got to give him more than this year. Obviously you're paying him extreme money for the next several years. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Browns do, but the Browns of all the Browns in the world, they're definitely the Charlie Browniest. So (laughs) as I love to say, but let's move on to one team, Jeremy, that you and I both were really high on coming out of the draft and that's the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. The reason that I'm putting them in this conversation isn't necessarily because I think they have a chance to be better than the Steelers this year. But I do think that if everything goes right with Anthony Richardson, that is a big if. But we all know the potential that he, and what he's capable of. I'm still not a huge fan of starting him immediately. But I do believe as the season goes along, if he does show progression, I believe by the end of the year, he's going to be scary good because he's so potent as a runner. And when you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, I mean, how do you stop Jonathan Taylor, a healthy Jonathan Taylor, and an Anthony Richardson who can prove to be a dual threat quarterback in the NFL level. That is extremely difficult. Plus they could get into the playoffs just because of their weak division. Maybe Jacksonville doesn't meet expectations to me. They're the only competition for Indianapolis at this point. I, I, I think CJ Stroud could be a solid quarterback for Houston, but I don't think their team's in a point yet to where they can contend and Tennessee. They just continuously seem to be trending down. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show, but 
I, I think the Colts have a chance to be a playoff team because they're in the weakest division in the AFC and it's not really even close. Yeah, it's, it's going to be intriguing for them. I actually have um, the, I actually have the Texans out of this division as my sleeper, not the Colts. Okay. Because I think the learning curve for Richardson could, could be a little longer than for Stroud. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think the ceiling is higher for Richardson than for Stroud, but I think D'Amico Ryans comes in and takes a defense that was trending up and Houston um, at the end of 2022 and, and makes them technically sound. He, he improves them across the board. I think that they could be very scrappy this year. I would, I, I don't peg either of them as playoff teams um, personally, just because of the other teams in, in the AFC that I th- just think are going to be better. But I, I see where you're coming from there. That running game could be, it, it could be on par with like, I think the Falcons are going to have a really good running game this year. I think the Colts are going to have a really good running game this year. I think the Steelers are going to have a really good running game this year. Those three teams could be pushing for a top overall uh, rushing attacks, a top five rushing attacks in the league this year uh, Colts for sure. And Anthony Richardson, his rushing ability wasn't even tapped into as often as it could have been in Florida. So that's scary. If you're, if you're an AFC South team that has no tape on this guy, (laughs) <laughs> first off uh and then you know if he if he catches on the offense quick he could be very dangerous I, I as the season gets closer as we go through training camp as we hear the hype coming out of there I'm sure I'm going to get higher on this team than I am right now but I see uh some holes on defense um that they'll have to overcome but I do think that they they have a, an identity at least on offense that's going to be ground and pound and uh, they've got the players to to make that work. The offensive line should rebound, so they could be dangerous. They'll definitely be a tough out for the Pittsburgh Steelers on December seventeenth, twenty twenty three, late December game uh, game against the Colts in Indianapolis. That'll be a tough one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It will be. Yeah, you know, Colts are one of those teams you just never want to play, regardless of how good yeah. or bad they are, because the Steelers always seem to have those dit schemes against teams like the Colts. But Jeremy, is there anyone else that we want to talk about? And I'm pretty sure you have one. And it's a team that's getting a lot of tread in league circles. Who do you have as your last team that you believe could be on the rise this year in the AFC? Yeah, it's the obvious one. It's the, it's the jets. You bring in Aaron Rodgers to an offense with a lot of young skill position players. I mean, uh, bright, Brees Hall probably wins offensive rookie of the year over the guy who eventually did on his same team and Garrett Wilson. If he stays healthy, that was the trajectory he was on. If it's a big, if he comes back healthy to start the season, uh, this, this offense looks really good. And the defense to me is already a championship level defense. I'm not going to dive too deep on this team. They've been well, um, well traversed throughout the national media. So don't need to hear it too much from me, but I just think they could be really good. Uh, I think they have a shot at this division, um, but it's, it's going to be, again, it's going to be tough. That division is going to beat each other up as well. Kind of like the AFC North will. Uh, so we'll see who comes out on top, but they're, they're scary. If Aaron Rodgers is 80% of the Aaron Rodgers in green Bay, then the, um, the jets have, the most improvement 
at quarterback heading into 2023 of any team in the league. I'm telling you all, if you're in deeper fantasy league, stash Izzy Abaniconda at the back end of your roster because if Brees Hall's not healthy, I'm telling you what, he's not looking back. Brees Hall's not getting his job back. I'm just telling you right now. No way. But Steelers fans, <laughs> Steelers fans, we've got a lot more to come. Don't go anywhere. On the second half of the show, we're going to be discussing teams that are trending in the wrong direction. You won't want to go anywhere. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts with you. Jeremy, let's talk about some teams that are not trending in the right direction in the AFC. Some people may see these teams as contenders, or they may even be teams that still are contenders, but teams that just may be trending down and maybe trending down closer to the region of where we see the Steelers at. Maybe the Steelers, if it's an AFC North team, maybe it's a team the Steelers can truly compete with. If it's a team outside the AFC, maybe it's a team the Steelers could upset if they make it to the playoffs and have to play them in an early round of the playoffs. Or maybe it is a team that we've truly seen just fall off the map. What direction are you going to go here with your first team? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying that the teams falling um nobody's really falling that much in the afc just to be honest um the guys who were at the top they're gonna they're gonna be competing for that again but i mean label me a homer if you want to that's not where i'm coming from on this it's the Bengals that i'm eyeing as a team that could could regress here in 2023 Mm -hmm. the secondary got completely retooled and it was a good secondary Right, I mean they're they're returning Mike Hilton, uh, they're returning Dax Hill. Uh, Dax Hill is going to be asked to do a ton, a, a ton on this defense. And I mean, you lose Jesse Bates, uh, you, you lose. I think they had uh, Eli Apple was playing well for them. I don't know if he's back or not. I think he's gone. But um, you know, the, you lose you lose a bunch of players there. Um, Von Bell uh, as well is gone, I believe. So. You're talking about a, a secondary that just is just got decimated this offseason. The the running game looks like it could be a huge issue. Joe Mixon uh, might get a suspension uh, to start the year or at some point this year. Um, let alone the the fact that he just has been a guy that they've been uh, openly uh, shopping. So uh, I'm concerned about what this team becoming too one dimensional. Um, and then, you know, the right side of the offensive line, Jonah Williams moving over there. He doesn't really want to, there's been, you know, talk that this, that he's not comfortable there. So protecting Joe Burrow is going to be huge, but I think you've got a team in the Bengals that, um, they're going to rely on Joe Burrow and company to overcome a multitude of evils, uh, if you will, on this team. And they're going to rely on Lou Anarumo on defense, their defensive coordinator, to out-scheme their deficiencies. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it all year with the amount of teams that are are moving up the target that they're going to have on their back. Um, this the, An AFC North team has never won the division three times in a row. 
And I'm I'm saying right now the Bengals do not win this division. Spicy take. We'll have to discuss who does in a different week. Now I'm not saying they're going to be bad though. Uh, they're they're right. a playoff team in my opinion. They're right. going to be a good team, but there's just too too many other factors. They've got an, mm-hmm. a, a first place AFC schedule. They've got to play you know this this AFC North that is gunning for them. They're they're the guys with the target on their back, and they've got holes now. And the Ravens might have um, cracked the code in the playoffs too. We'll see how teams uh, adjust to that. But with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, they they win that game if not for a freak fumble on the goal line. So <laughs> yeah, and there's a saying that if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Yeah, and you could argue that's the case with Cincinnati. As much as they lost in the secondary. They did add pieces in the draft. They added an additional pass rusher. They added some help on offense. They added pieces. They brought in Irv Smith and free agency. But I don't think we look at the roster and say that they're necessarily better than they were last year. They may be roughly about the same when you're just going from roster-wise, top to bottom, weaknesses, strengths. Overall, I would say probably about the same. But let's – I mean, even as Steelers fans, sometimes we forget that – you know, well, the Steelers, we've added this much talent, so we have a better roster than last year. So that must mean that we are definitely going to have more wins than last year. There's no guarantee right. of that because, you know what, every other team in the league feels that they improve their roster as well, outside of maybe a few teams that were just had to, for salary cap purposes, just let a bunch of people go, and they couldn't recover from it. But 28 to 30 NFL teams, once the offseason free agency draft, everything is over, they're going to say, yeah, we feel like we have a better roster than we did last year. That's just what it is. And the Steelers are obviously one of those teams. I think we would agree with that. But I, I think when it comes, you know, your point about the Bengals is valid because they, you know, they may not have improved at all. And one team that I yeah. think could also fall into that category, but I do believe there is some true regression with this team is the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. A team that was under 500 last year and they're not heading in the right direction this year with even despite being in a relatively easy division, there's uncertainty at quarterback. Let's say Ryan Tannehill plays solid football. He remains the quarterback. He can fend off Will Levis for the entire season. Who's he throwing it to outside of Traylon Burks? You have nobody You have Chiga Conquo, your starting tight end. Your number two wide receiver is Nick Westbrook Akeen. Your number three wide receiver is Kyle Phillips. I mean, there's no weapons to speak of. Derrick Henry's still good, but I mean, he's even he is not quite as fast as he once was. He's still dude's on the dude's on the precipice of a complete fall off too. If you look at age and and usage, oh yeah. And I know he could defy expectations, but still, even with Derrick Henry at his best, there's. There's just not a whole lot here on offense. They reshuffled pieces on the offensive line. Petit Freire is going to be missing the first six games of the season, I believe, with a suspension for Tennessee. So he's gone. The offensive line's in shambles, and they still don't have that much pass rush. They're still trying to recover from the Bud, Defre- Bud Dupree dud. Uh, try to say <laughs> that fast a few times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they haven't been able to recover from that. They're still trying to figure out what to do in the pass rush department. And, you know, Caleb Farley has been a little bit inconsistent in the secondary. Some of their pieces just haven't come around. So there's a lot of question marks with Tennessee, even being in an easier division. I could see Tennessee being one of those teams that only can get five or so wins, 
possible Mike Vrabel could be on the job market open uh, market next year if things don't go well. Or, I mean, if things go that far south, I think Will Levis definitely sees the field at some point. And maybe we see Ryan Tannehill move to the deadline if there's a team with a quarterback injury. Yeah. But, uh, Jeremy, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Titans. I, I was going to say the Titans, the Titans project to me as massive sellers at the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think their record's not going to be very good. I think you've got teams like look at, um, let's look at the NFC South, for example, that like specifically the Falcons, Arthur Smith, who knows Ryan Tannehill that they've, they're riding right now with, um, with Desmond Ritter, a third round uh, second year player at quarterback. And if that division is, is bad, like we think it, it could be, and the Falcons are a game out of first place by the trade deadline, or maybe just barely holding on to first place. Um, and the Titans are really not doing well, and they've already got their quarterback of the future in the room. I don't see why Ryan Tannehill doesn't get shipped to a team like the Falcons by the trade deadline um, for a team who wants to contend this year, and the Titans are not ready to do that. So I think even the, if the Titans are scrappy, they're not ready to contend. So they're definitely falling down uh, because these other teams that were scrappy last year that are moving on their way up are, are taking their place. And uh, you're, you're either, like you said, you're either getting better or, or you're getting worse. And they, they definitely fall into this category for me. Well, there's, we both have one team left and we went, we kind of went different directions with this, but we did remain in the same division. So tell us who this last team is that you believe could be poised for a little bit of a fallback. Yeah, so I'm going to make the case for this team falling, and but I still think I still think they win their division. I still think they're very good. I think that this this year um, has a chance to be their year. I think teams people are sleeping on this team because of the regression we saw at the end of the year. But I am going to say that you know they this team has an uphill battle and it's because their division's so hard. It's because they've got the fourth hardest schedule uh, by opponent projected win total. So uh, I like that a little bit better. Like, you know, the Vegas odds take, take it what you will, but usually um, Vegas doesn't want to lose a bunch of money. So they purposefully put these over unders in, in spots where, um, it's going to be tough to tell. And so I think it's a good way. It's better than um, the old strength of schedule way to determine, you know, uh, from 2022 or, or the previous year's record, how teams are, or how team schedules lay out. So um, I like it. I think it's going to be, it's going to be really tough for them. I, I just want to read some, some of the, like the teams that they've got to play. Uh, they've got jets twice. They've got, the commanders who could be scrappy. They've got dolphins twice. They've got the Jaguars. They've got um, the Bengals. Uh, they've got the Eagles. They've got the Cowboys. They've got the giants. They've got the chiefs. I mean, they, their schedule is absolutely loaded with playoff teams from, from last year that for the most part are, are contenders again this year. And so it's, it's going to be tough for them to, chargers they've got the chargers on their schedule as well near the end of the season so based on the schedule um the ken dorsey's offense was good last year but it got really predictable at the end of the season 
super one dimensional and Luana Rumo and the bills just made them look silly in the playoffs. And the dolphins almost did the same thing the week before. So <laughs> it was, it was not a good end of the year. You can tell why t- people would be down on them. I still think that they'll bounce back. I still think Josh Allen is one of those two or three guys that just can, can make your, can overcome any of those issues and you just win because he's, he's a dominant player. So just making the case for them, maybe to fall off a little bit, the dolphins look better. The jets look better. The Patriots really are the only team that don't look better (laughs) heading into 2023 out of that division. Um, And so they're going to have their work cut out for them to be, uh, to be as good as they have been the last couple of years. You bring up an interesting case. I'm going to go with another team in the division, though, and that's the New England Patriots. Some people think they could be a wild card contender. I just do not see it. They were 8-9 and last year. They didn't get noticeably better on offense outside of bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, they just re-signed Devontae Parker for like three years, $33 or whatever. I don't necessarily understand that move. Devontae Parker really hasn't done a whole lot for them. Yeah, (laughs) It doesn't move the needle for me personally. If Kayshawn Booty can come on and be, you know, this fantastic rookie wide receiver, this offense could be good. But I think you and I agree. We just don't see that happening. He had inconsistent play at LSU. He the effort was a question at times and he didn't test well. So I, I think there's a lot of concerns that come with him. And when you look at the defense side of the ball, people look at Christian Gonzalez like, you know, he's going to be the savior who's going to really keep this secondary one of the best in the league. And I think he landed in a good spot in New England where he's going to be able to play a lot of man coverage. But, I I mean, I didn't love – I mean, he was my number three corner in the draft for a reason. I didn't think he was bad. I just didn't like him as much as I did the other two corners in Porter and Witherspoon. He's just not as physical. And you would think as someone 6'2", 205, he would be but he just, he's not the best open field tackler. That's not something that Belichick is going to absolutely love. Maybe he instills that in him, but if Gonzalez can't get the tackling open field tackling down, you can guarantee that Bill Belichick is not going to be a happy camper. They've got a bunch of Joneses. You want to talk about keeping up with the Joneses, just keep up with the New England Patriots secondary. You got Jack Jones, you got Jonathan Jones, you got Marcus Jones. They love people with Jones. In the Mac Jones at quarterback too. I oh, mean, on the offensive goodness. side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why we should just expect the trade deadline for them to trade for Marvin Jones and Vailus Chandler Jones. Jones. Yeah, Chandler Jones. <laughs> I think I think the one interesting thing that could keep their defense afloat because they don't have much pass rush is Keon White. Because hmm. I was just looking at this on New England's web, official website, they have him up to two ninety. Whoa! Already. So at 6'5", yeah. 290, he could play the 3, 4, 5 tech, and it starts to make me wonder if that's what the Steelers had envisioned for him, not to be an oversized edge, but to actually th- throw more weight on him and train him to be a Cam Hayward replacement. We saw the Steelers show interest in him during the draft process. Mm. I'm wondering what this is if this may be the route New England takes and has him play along the defensive lines of down linemen. I think that's what they're going to do. But outside of that, they don't bring a whole lot in the pass rush. You've got Marte Mapu. Mac Wilson, you have other pieces at linebacker. Obviously, they they have Matt Judon, who's going to be coming off the edge, and they have other pieces, but there's nothing that Dietrich you just look wise at. And- yeah, Dietrich Wise. They have some guys, but no guy that's just like, whoa, I'm extremely scared of this guy at this point in his career. 
and yeah, you know, the, Jelani Tavai. I mean, <laughs> Josh and, Uche. <laughs> uh, in all fairness, Josh Uche is <laughs> very good for them. He came on yeah. last year, and he is he is. I would I will go this far. But Josh Uche at this point in his career is better than Matt Judon. He, Matt Judon. He is better than any New England Patriots pass rusher. I think he's going to have a breakout okay. year this year. Okay. Go blue. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get. Oh, had to throw that in there, didn't you? Yeah. Sorry, I brought him up, Andrew. <laughs> I knew you would be. I'm like, well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. But before we go, Jeremy, I know we're running a little bit long, but I want to ask the question because this all comes back to the Steelers. Yeah. The narrative is that the AFC is difficult for the Steelers. They don't have a great chance of making the playoffs in the eyes of Vegas and the eyes of many analysts. But if you look in the Steelers landscape in the local media and when we're looking at the team, we see a team that is vastly underrated as it, with a team that has a relatively easy schedule and the eyes of most fans. What is your take on the Steelers team in collaboration with what we talked about today? Is it going to be more difficult or is it going to be easier than what people expect for them to make it to the playoffs? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say two things can be true here. The Steelers are, vastly superior as a team to the team that went nine and eight last year. Yet it will be harder this year than it was last year because the, the AFC is, is stacked. It really is inside their own division. I mean, most divisions run three teams deep. This division literally runs four teams deep. And if I, I, any order of these teams at the end of the year would not surprise me at all, except maybe Bengals in last place. And if that were the case, you'd have to think that three of the teams went nine and eight and the other one went uh, 10 and seven and then tiebreakers uh, pushed the Bengals down, you know? So I, and I don't see envision that happening necessarily, but it's the Steelers are a better team. I, I made the observation personally that I thought this is the most complete roster since the AFC championship squad of 2016. Um, for the Steelers. And uh, you don't know what you got in Kenny Pickett. You knew you had a, a fantastic quarterback in, in Roethlisberger, so there's some differences there. But as a whole, top to bottom, depth, starting caliber talent across the roster, this team is better or, or as or just as good to me as that 2016 team that lost to the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship. I think the Steelers do make the playoffs because I think they're built different with Mike Tomlin as head coach. And they're going to do that. What they can do there is an entirely different story. But I will take them over the um, Broncos and the Browns and, um, you know, some of these teams that we've talked about as as coming up. Yes, they're coming up. Yes, they're going to be tough. But I still take a Mike Tomlin-led team um, over those teams. So, yes, they're going to make the playoffs, I think. It's going to be really hard, though. They're gonna have. I mean, every every game counts. Every single one in this AFC yep. race this year. No weeks off. I mean, you know, that bye week and week six. That's a that's a long second half of the season, and the Steelers are gonna have to really, really push through, and they're gonna have to be good for for long stretches without a lot of breaks. <laughs> so it's gonna be tough. But I do think that they're they're a playoff caliber team. I think they're going to get there, but it's going to be really tough. I have to agree. And I'm just going to leave it at that because you said it perfectly. 
So Steelers fans, hey, awesome. <laughs> we're just going to leave it at that. So Jeremy got to finish it out perfectly. I got to throw in a Michigan comment at the end. So this was a really productive show and, you know, discussing even further <laughs> yeah. how great the Steelers chances are of truly making the playoffs. It is exciting to think about Jeremy. What do you have coming up on behind the steel curtain.com? More AFC North position rankings and um, you know, the, doing jeff hartman's uh let's ride on friday still and then the steelers sunday night q a had bradley locker on this last sunday night so a uh, fantastic show and we talked about a lot so check that out more to come i got an interesting article coming up it'll probably go on at some point this week it's already done took a little bit of time but i'm excited about it because i think it's an interesting article it's discussing how the espn's release of todd mcshay yeah, could lead to election night style draft coverage. And if you want yeah. an idea as to what I'm talking about, you're going to have to go and check out the article. But it was an idea that was tossed around in the media back in 2018 when draft coverage changed and Fox was the first year that for the first two days of the draft was nationally televised on broadcast television. This could be the first move of many that could lead to that actually coming to fruition, being an election night style coverage where it's covered by multiple networks. It's something to discuss, and it's something that could obviously impact the Steelers because it impacts Steelers fans. Steelers fans have a preference. as you know who likes the Steelers, who dislikes the Steelers most as draft analysts, who gives the best opinion on the Steelers? And there are analysts out there that have more insight than others. So it is something that I believe will apply to all of us. But be sure to go and check that out. Be sure to go and check out all of our great articles there, all of the great podcasts here at the Steel Curtain Network and at the Fans First Sports Network. Follow Jeremy on Twitter at thebets 93 and I think we got all the formalities out of the way. So since we have that, happy 4th of July, Steelers fans. We will see you next week on the Steelers Fix. <laughs>